Well, welcome to Church Project. We're glad that you are here today. Didn't these guys come in with some energy today? That was good. Thank you, guys. That was awesome. Uh, if you're a first-time guest here, we want you to relax and enjoy yourself. Have, have a great time. Uh, I'm Aaron. I'm a pastor here at, at Church Project, and I did not speak last weekend because Grandpa spoke last weekend, and he did an incredible job, and so thank you, Grandpa, for speaking. And we had about 40 havens in here, so all right, we're back to balance now. It's not as crazy anymore. Uh, and then today, uh, we're going to have someone else speak. What, what am I? I'm taking two weeks off. This is crazy. So I'm just going to sit here and enjoy myself. But I want to talk about Church Project for a little bit today. One of the things that we do is ministry partnerships, and, and, and we love ministry partnerships. We, we say with our tithes that, that everything that comes into our tithe back there, that, that little Kleenex box, uh, we're, we're aiming to one day get to the point where 50% of everything that comes in goes right back out to ministry partnerships, uh, ministries that are doing it internationally and ministries that are doing it locally and doing a phenomenal job. It, it's the church, really. It's ministering and it's partnering with, with effective ministries that are going to places that we as the church are not necessarily even going. And so I want to highlight um, one of these ministry partnerships that we have because last week, uh, is Josh and Julie Baker here? Are they here? Oh, they're in the back. Okay. They, they are the directors of CREW. On, on campus, and they're doing an incredible job there. And so if you're part of crew, just give a big old scream or, or, or Hannah. Okay, here's our crew people up here. And last week, they did something incredible. Uh, they, they had a, a panel. I don't know who was all on the panel, and I don't even know what you talked about, but it was pretty uh, incredible because you had two people from Church Project. I think we have a picture of that. Um, do we have that, that picture, guys? Yes or no? Maybe so. There it is. Okay. So we have, we have Kendall Brazelton in, in the bottom right, good-looking dude, almost as good as me. Uh, then, we, then, then we have Mrs. Perman right here on, on the bottom left, and two, two beautiful people. Sorry, I'm embarrassing you. But they went to this panel, and, and Rachel actually represented the stay-at-home moms and, and the perspective um, that she could answer uh, to some of the men and women in that room. And I wish I was there, and I wish it was recorded, and it wasn't, so I'm a little mad. But thank you, Rachel, and thank you, for Kendall, for doing that. And this is ministry partnerships. Like We're going to financially partner with, with ministries. That's great. Everybody needs money to do things. But I, I want to continue to do things relationally. And so for our ministry partnerships that we have, you know, crew, FCA, I'm going to miss people. Okay, crew, FCA, Young Life, I said Youth for Christ, Youth for Christ, uh, Waypoints, who have I forgotten locally? David Shelley, International Student Ministry. It's always, I should not start talking about them because we have plenty. But as we minister financially, that's wonderful. But I encourage you, church, to not only that, but to, but to partner relationally. Send letters of encouragement. Show up to their, to their ministries and what they're doing. Pray for them. I mean, let's, let's partner together relationally with these ministries. And church, thank you for doing this because I, I think this is where church is really meeting, meeting needs locally and globally. So I wanted to celebrate that today. And Rachel and, and Kendall, I want to tell you thank you for, for going and being a part of that. So Josh and Julie, thanks for heading that up. Love you guys. Um, all right, once again, I will exit stage because I want to introduce to you um, the executive director of Youth for Christ, who is, is, is better looking than me. And so I, I will say that, way more hip, 
Uh, but I'm telling you, what, what, ha- what happens if you've never been to Youth for Christ on a Friday night, you need to go and you need to see what's happening. And that's just one sliver of what they do at Youth for Christ. And so um, if you're here with Youth for Christ, would you just stand up so we can... No, let's not do that. That's pointing people out. If you just raise your hand, just raise your hand. If you're here with Youth for Christ, go. It's okay. All right. Um, and so, church, I want to welcome you, uh, Ryan Doherty. He's going to come and give our message, and he is going to rock it. So I'm going to pray for you, and you can come on up, bud, and just have fun. Okay. God, thank you for today. Thank you for Ryan. I pray that in this place that you give him the words just to clarify how much he loves you and how much you love us. And I pray it lands on our hearts and our minds. In your name, we pray. Amen. Clap now because you may not be clapping in a few minutes. <laughs> um, Jeremy, how far can I walk around? If I walk in front of the speakers, is it going to? All right. <clears throat> Grandpa, I'm just going to lip sync your sermon from last week, if that's okay. <clears throat> I'm uh, Ryan Doherty. I'm the executive director for Youth for Christ. I've worked with youth for uh, about 14 years in Greeley. Um, Some of you know me, some of you don't know me, and you should count your blessings. Um, I I like speaking in front of teenagers, um, and I feel more comfortable speaking in front of teenagers, so I'm a little bit nervous. So if you could just make me feel more at home by pulling out your cell phone opening Snapchat and then continuing to ignore everything I have to say. And then I will feel just at home. I'm not much of a preacher. Uh, I'll just pretend to be a preacher for today. I'm more of a storyteller. And so um, the other day I I was going through pictures on my phone. Google has this thing where It's called Google Photos. If you've ever used it, you can make it upload every picture that you've ever taken on your phone and on your computer and all your devices, and it goes up into the cloud, and it's saved somewhere out there. And uh, so I was, I like to just kind of flip through and and look at old pictures and, and see stuff that happened sometimes long ago. And I found a picture on there that has a pretty interesting story, but before I show you the picture, I want to tell you the story. Um, I have this friend who's a professor uh, at a university in California now, but he was a professor at UNC, and his name is uh, Quaylen Allen, and I don't know if anybody has had Quaylen Allen. It's been a few years since he's been at UNC, but um, he was a a friend that I went to church with, and uh, one day he lost his school ID. Um, I don't know if he lost it or somebody stole it, but Either way, he didn't have it anymore, and it had his picture on it. It gave him kind of access to the buildings that he needed to go to and whatnot. So um, shortly thereafter, there was a Twitter account that was created, and uh, these pictures started showing up on Twitter with Quaylen's school ID, and it'd be like next to a cup of coffee, and it'd say, I'm Quaylen Allen drinking my coffee. And then it would be like Quaylen Allen's uh, ID up in a crowd at a concert, and I'm Quaylen Allen. I like going to rock shows. And then there was one that um, I remember, and it was like a cigarette in an ashtray, and it says, I'm Quaylen Allen, and I smoke cigarettes. And um, so nobody knew who was doing this, and it wasn't me. Um, 
and there was just these, it was, became kind of this joke with, with Quaylen. And so one day I was at Patrick's downtown, and I was listening to a, a friend of mine, Renee Swick, perform. She's a really phenomenal musician. You can look her up. But um, So she was performing a concert there, and so I had to use the restroom. And so I went to um, the men's room. And uh, guys will know what I'm talking about. Women, you probably aren't going to understand this. But uh, this happens a lot where they retrofit a bathroom uh, to be uh, a bathroom that wasn't supposed to be a bathroom. And so oftentimes, this is how it looks. I'm going to kind of lay out the plan of a guy's bathroom. There'll be a door right here, and then there'll be a urinal right here. And so as soon as you open the door, you're looking at the urinal. Do, guys, do you know what I'm talking about? And so let me just demonstrate how this transpired. <laughs> so I'm using the urinal. And um, I looked to the wall, and somebody with marker had written, who is Quaylen Allen? <laughs> and then somebody had written, he is Yasser Arafat's son. And I thought this was hilarious. So I'm a multitasker. So I pull out my phone. <clears throat> Excuse me. I pull out my phone. I open the camera app, still multitasking, open the camera app, frame the picture, still multitasking, and I press the button, and right then somebody opens the door. And so I do what any normal person would do. I pull the phone down immediately, and right then, Elijah, do you have the picture? Uh, I'm not going to show you that picture. I deleted that. I might run for office. Of course, I'm not going to show you that picture at church. You guys are crazy. Oh, my <laughs> Let's pray. <laughs> Father God, I just thank you so much for um, just what today means. We celebrate Palm Sunday today, and... Uh, we just thank you for your son, Jesus, who came uh, to this earth uh, humbly, um, entered into Jerusalem that we celebrate today, and, and my, how things can change in a week. God, we just uh, thank you for the sacrifice that Christ made on our behalf. Um, God, I just pray over this time together that you would speak to us through your word, that we'd understand more about you uh, today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we're doing James chapter 2, verse 14 through 17 today. And uh, it says, I didn't, I'm not like Aaron, I didn't plan, I don't know what page it is in your Bible, but it's kind of towards the back. Um, James chapter 2, verse 14 through 17 says this. What good is it, my brothers... If someone says he has faith but does not have works, can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things that they need for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead 
What's the opposite of works? You know, some people might say laziness. I mean, that was kind of the first thing when I thought about the opposite of work. Works, I thought lazy. But I think the opposite of works is judgment. I think oftentimes, rather than doing something, we judge people. And so when I read these verses, I'm going to reread them in a way that most closely describes kind of the way I feel like I live my life oftentimes. It says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have judgment? Can that faith save him? Judgment leads to salvation. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and I say to them, you've made your bed, now lie in it. Haven't I taught them a valuable lesson? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have judgment, is dead. That's obviously not what James was saying, because James says faith without works is dead, but James was a hippie. So should we really listen to him? <laughs> Sounds like something Bernie Sanders was saying. <coughs> I'm, just, I'm not going to get political till the end. <coughs> I think the way that Christians should respond to needs in our community is responding in a loving, non-judgmental way. But oftentimes, I think Christians are most perceived as being the most judgmental. I think it's a sad day when the world loves better than the church loves, and the church judges more than the world does. That day may be today, though, unfortunately. At least Christians by many people are viewed this way. There was a, a research group called the Barna Group. Um, maybe you've heard of them. They're kind of uh, like the Pew Research Foundation, but they, they do study like faith-based and Christian and churchy things. And they found uh, a few years ago, ago that they pulled a bunch of young, unchurched people and in this book, it recounts this study. It's called Unchristian, and it's um, just a really mind-blowing book. When you read it, you see kind of the way the world sees Christianity. And um, when they pulled these young people, 87% of the respondents said Christians are judgmental. That was number two on the list. Number one was 91% said Christians are anti-homosexual. Are we as judgmental and non-loving as people think? I don't, I don't really think so. Honestly, I don't think that your everyday Christian is as judgmental as people think. We've got some work to do, but I don't think it's as bad as 87%. But perception is people's reality. If you don't believe that, then just turn on Fox News or CNN during an election cycle. I mean, Hillary Clinton's pantsuit speaks a thousand words. And don't get them started on Donald Trump's hair, because there's a lot to be said about that as well. But everything's about perceptions, about how people see a situation. Reality isn't truth. Perception is truth in most situations. And I include the perceptions of Christians as well. You remember Quaylen Allen, the story that I told? 
No one would see the picture of his school ID next to an ashtray with a cigarette and assume, just because his ID was there, that he actually smoked cigarettes, right? I mean, we would all say, that's a funny joke, but that's not really Quaylen Allen, and he doesn't really smoke cigarettes. But that's not the way Satan works. Unfortunately, Satan utilizes those opportunities as ammunition to make the world see Christians one way that they may not be. People see a guy at a funeral for a soldier waving a flag that says God hates fags, and they think that represents Christianity. That's the truth, people. I hate to say it. That's the truth. That pastor, those of you that are listening at home, I did the quotes with my fingers. That pastor, his name is Fred Phelps. He did more damage, I believe, to the message that mercy triumphs over justice. That's what James is talking about. Mercy triumphs over justice. He did more damage to that message than anybody that I can think of. Fred Phelps died a few years ago. And after he died, I heard a comedian say, and he was saying it as a joke, but it's absolutely true. He said, I bet Fred Phelps was pretty shocked to stand before God and find out that God loves fags. And that's truth. I couldn't agree more. God sees value in every person. That's truth. If you don't believe me, and I'm not asking you to believe me, maybe Timothy is somebody you want to believe. This is good, and it's pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. All people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Maybe you don't like Peter. Maybe you don't like Timothy. Maybe you like Peter better. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but all, all, all should reach repentance. God has called us to be messengers of hope and love and forgiveness, not to be the gatekeepers to the gospel. We're not the people that stand and say, you come in, you don't come in. We are called as believers to go and share that message of good news and hope. Now the question is, do our beliefs and our actions line up with each other? Faith and works. Is what we believe and what we do, do they jive together? My friend uh, Jeff Neal, he's here somewhere. We work together at Youth for Christ. He uh, pointed me to a university research, research study, and it shows that uh, people whose beliefs and actions do not line up with each other causes people to feel bad, depressed, uncomfortable. Sorry, my Garth Brooks mic is moving around on me. <laughs> Um, so it causes people to feel bad, depressed, or uncomfortable. This is called cognitive dissonance, and it's defined this way. Cognitive dissonance is the mental stress or discomfort experienced by an individual 
who holds two or more contradicting beliefs, ideas, or values at the same time. So in other words, if what I'm saying and what I'm doing don't match up, I experience discomfort in my life. So if that's the case, we have three choices, I think. Door number one, we need to be willing to live an uncomfortable life. We need to say, forget it. I'm okay with being uncomfortable, but I'm willing to live an uncomfortable life, and so I'm just going to keep going down this road. Our second choice is we need to change what we believe. If our beliefs and what we do don't match up, and we want to continue doing what we want to do, then we need to change what we believe. Our last option is to change our actions to line up with what we believe. Are your beliefs worth changing your actions? Scripture talks about this, and Jeremy's saying about this this morning. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That's in 2 Corinthians 5.17. If you're a new creation in Christ, if you've committed your life to following Jesus, then you're a new creation. You're not the same person that you used to be. Along with that, your works, your actions, the things that you do, should be a manifestation of that faith and that belief that you have. Faith without works is dead. You can't continue to live the way that you used to. And this is a spiritual lifestyle change. One of my favorite set of verses is about lifestyle change is found in Matthew 25. And it starts out in verse 34, and I'll read it. You've probably heard it before. It says, Then the king will say to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food, and I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of my brothers, you did it to me. Does everybody recognize that? The thing that I love most about this is when the people say, when did we? When I read that, I get this vision of them saying, when did we do this? And I get this idea that maybe this was their lifestyle so much so that they didn't even recognize that they were doing these things. They just did this because this was their nature. This was who they were. There's a naked guy outside. Well, because I'm a Christian, I get him clothing. They didn't think about it. They didn't analyze the situation. They didn't create uh, a task force to deal with the problem of nakedness. They just saw a naked person and they gave him clothes because that's who they are and that's what they do. Christians clothe naked people, feed the hungry, visit the sick, care for drunks, love the forgotten because it's their nature to do so. Putting faith into action is about meeting people where they are and meeting a need. I've got a, another slide that 
Elijah's going to put up, and it's a little quiz. This is uh, nutritional facts. Um, this is something that most people have had before in their life. Um, my wife would not let me consume this. It's a drink because it has 16.9 grams of sugar, and uh, she says anything over eight I can't have. <laughs> <clears throat> but this is the, I'll give you a, a clue of what this is. This is the most consumed beverage ever in all of human history. It's not Coca-Cola. This is uh, a woman's breast milk. Now we're taking a different turn. <laughs> um, yeah, lots of sugar, lots of fat, um, just what a baby needs. I have a story about breast milk. <laughs> you ready for this one? <laughs> um, so uh, about almost uh, 11 and a half years ago, in 2004, my, uh, my wife at the time, her name was Megan, she was involved in a car accident where she was in a head-on collision. And uh, she got out of the car, and she was holding my son Elijah at the time, and uh, she got hit by another car. And, sorry. Subsequently, she passed away. But Elijah was seven months old, and he had only drank breast milk. That was all he had consumed. Apparently, there's a difference in the taste of breast milk and formula, and babies who like breast milk don't really like formula. I learned that lesson the hard way. Um, so he was seven months old, and um, I didn't have breast milk. I was not lactating. <laughs> and I was in desperate need of breast milk. Actually, Elijah was more than I was, but I had to deal with him. And um, <clears throat> two women stepped up to the plate. One was my sister, and one, sorry. was a woman named Tori. <clears throat> Tori came to Elijah twice a day for a couple weeks so that we could transition <clears throat> transition him off of breast milk onto a formula. Sorry. I love this story, but I hate telling it. Tori never asked for a thank you. She never asked for recognition. As a matter of fact, she'd probably not like that I'm even talking about this. Tori and my sister did this because there was a need and they're Christians. They saw a need and they filled a need. And I could thank them a thousand times and it wouldn't be enough. I could give them 
millions of dollars and it would not be enough. But they said, I love God. I love people. And my faith and my works are in line with each other. And that's why when I see a baby that needs breast milk, I provide breast milk. The ancient church had a saying, and they said, God became man so we might become God. And the first time I heard that, I thought, what? That doesn't sound right. It's not saying that we become gods at all. It's acknowledging that God has chosen to have no hands on this planet but your hands. No feet on this earth but your feet. Friends, if you're a believer, you're part of the body of Christ, I have a question for you. Are you better at judging or loving? I think that's a question we need to ask ourselves. Are you better at judging or are you better at loving? God's not calling us to judge people. God's calling us to love people, to care for people, to meet people where they are, meet their needs. If you don't mind just bowing your head real quick. I just want to pray over us and then I want to close with a prayer that Jesus prays over you in scripture. God, we're broken people. I'm a broken man. Most of the time, God, I judge way more than I love. Even when I'm helping people, sometimes I'm judging people. God, I just pray that you would give us the spirit of Christ, that we would love people and see people for who they are through you. Help us to see them the way that you see them. Help us recognize that we have a need for you and we have um, the capacity to love those around us. Jesus prayed... In John chapter 17, he prayed a prayer over his disciples, and I believe that he's praying this prayer over us now. These are not my words. These are Christ's words. It says, O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them as well. Amen. Thank you.